Hello! Welcome to Kasinatian, Kasayuran, Kasaysayan, Kamatuuran. A show dedicated to discussing the latest topics of interest on Philippine politics and society from the perspective of Filipinos in general and Cebuanos in particular. This is your host, Ryan Dave Rayla, educator and voice in the wind. This evening, we have for our episode, we have a very special guest and she is currently in London, no? the capital of the United Kingdom. Uh, she is uh, Stacy Danica Alcantara Garcia, a foreign service officer and she is currently designated as uh, the vice consul for our for our office there in London representing of course the Philippines no um, currently as an officer on uh, as an officer in the foreign service of the Philippines Miss um, Stacy or rather Mrs Alcantara Garcia is affiliated with the Department of Foreign Affairs and she is here tonight to talk to us about diplomacy no her experiences as a as a career diplomat and um, also her her experiences as an overseas Filipino okay so let's welcome um, Mrs. Alcantara Garcia Maying gabi Imam Maying gabi Riv o mayong gabi sa tananatang listeners sa podcast okay Maying gabi Imam so oh, gabi ipabadiha o buntag naman siguro diha sa inyo ano so we are around, I think, 7 hours ah, uh, ahead. 7 uh, no, hours. 7 hours late ah. compared to Philippines. Okay. 7 or 8 hours. So, uh, hopefully, um, fresh pa siguro kay kakaroon, kay buntag pa man diha. <laughs> so, we'll have a lot to talk about. <laughs> oh, so, your day is just starting. <laughs> okay. Mm. So, Ma'am, as a career diplomat, ma'am, no, um, I presume you have one get you have. Let's say, for example, you have a lot to do in your day. So just to not to keep you kwanda, not to keep you waiting, we'll go ahead with the talking points, okay? And um, we have several here, and perhaps we can start with um, with a picture, or you perhaps you can paint for us via via words a picture of your career as a diplomat. So how did you start as a diplomat, ma'am? So, this career path was actually quite unexpected uh, because in college, I, and when I was still studying, I didn't really dream or consider becoming a diplomat. In fact, um suggested to take up the Foreign Service Officers exam, which is like an entrance exam of sorts to get into the Philippine Foreign Service as a Foreign Service Officer. Wala yung kabalo. Exactly, no? On sa kabahi ng siya trabaho. And I also didn't have prior knowledge na kanang specialized yun in international relations. Because I used to work as either a journalist uh, or Ang ako ang career for mga six years was really with a multinational company. Mm. Actually, two multinational companies. And I handled mostly sales and marketing. So, karon katong nitake na ko sa foreign service officers exam, I was quite surprised, sad, because it was such a rigorous process. 
So the, the Foreign Service Officers exam comprises of five stages. And then you have to make it through each stage in order to finally be uh, admitted into the Philippine Foreign Service. So I had to do a lot of reviewing on my own. Okay, ang review centers at that time, I don't know kung karon kung ano ba sa Cebu or other places outside Manila, but at that time, ako naibawaan ang pinaka-premier and foremost na review center for the Foreign Service Officers exam was based sa Ateneo de Manila. So, I, I was based in Cebu when mm. I was considering and mm. uh, reviewing for the Foreign Service Officers exam. So, ang nahitabo, I was left with actually no choice, no? But to do a self-review. So, very varied man ang topic. I had to go back to a lot of my materials in college and then to source out new materials based sa topics na gibigsa nila. So, ang iyahang mga stages kay ang qualified exam, which is like similar but a little bit harder than the professional civil service exam. You, you have to make it through that first stage to proceed the second stage which is the preliminary interview, of which a dunay panel no, comprised of mga senior and uh, mid-level diplomats as well as other subject matter experts who will ask you about anything and everything under the sun. So it could or it could not be related sa imuhang, kung sa imuhang gibutang, sa imuhang TV. Mm. It could be about current affairs, and it could just be about anything. So, ganahan nila makitaan kung sa kaka-maayo mo articulate sa imuhang thoughts, both in English and in Filipino. So, as I can remember, I think I was asked uh, some questions in Filipino and was expected, of course, to answer them in mm. Filipino. Sa ako, no, kay bigadako mong yung ko sa Visaya, sa Dumaguete o sa Cebu. So, I did find it quite challenging mm. to articulate my thoughts in Filipino. Okay, kabalo na ka. Um, ako, I, I might share the same experiences sa uban na itong mga uh, amigo di ha, higala na itong mga bisaya na ako. I mostly, well, well, gitudlo siya sa eskwelahan, but I really learned Filipino in a more informal way. More like, Kanang pagtanaw mga teleserye, which of course was not exactly katuyong refined, no? Mm. Na Filipino. So, quite challenging. I found that quite challenging. After sa preliminary interview, aduna da yung written exam. I think maanis siya ang kanaganin di ka hadlukan sa kasagaran. Eh, pag muhunis, huna-huna kag foreign service officers exam. Maude yun siya yung mahuna-hunaan sa kasagaran, maunik ka tong essay writing mm. na grabe ka, grabe yun siya ng essay writing. So it's three days it's a battery of uh, essay writing exams covering six subjects. So for example, in one subject, uh, we were given 30 questions, we had to choose 15. Something like that. Mm, you know? I see. So, Kinahanglan nga, nakakaimuha pong mga strategy on how to tackle these kinds of uh, challenges sa pag 
administer nila sa exam. And then after that, there's the psychological exam. Yeah. And finally, um, the last stage is the oral exam. So in the morning, we had something like a debate. So you can try, you get to try both sides, no? Both opposition and the government side. I think based on the number we had, we adopted something like a modified na all Asians format. Mm. And then na one-on-one interview with mga panggiitan kayo ng mga tao in their particular field. Um, I, I can't remember any other time na inan ko ka nervous ni Kulbaan kay lahi yun ang caliber ang mga mga interview mo. They're really up there in terms of the subject matter mm. that they are deemed experts on. And then finally, sa pagkagabi ida yun, you have the social graces or etiquette and public speaking. So, hindi ka maka-enjoy sa iyong gitaon. Okay, ikulwaan mong kayo sa, okay, huwag makasagalo, ikulwaan na isunod mga tag sa iyong dinner speech. Mm. And after that, uh, we were, we received a letter na uh, natapasar ka sa Foreign Service Officers Exam and then, the re- I guess, the rest is history. So, ako, I deferred uh, joining the Foreign Service for one year. So, um, I passed the 2013-2014 exam, but I joined the Rinaga 2016 because I really wanted to finish with ako ang commitments sa akong previous company which has really been so good to me and nagansip ko na na kuha ng mga pwede dina-apply sa dako karon sa akong work sa foreign mm. service mm, I see ma'am no? so that's a very that's a very colorful kanang experience of how um, how you have passed and overcome perhaps one of the most difficult exams in the country which is the foreign service officers exam hmm. um, on that note ma'am um, were you preparing especially since um, let's say were you preparing for this exam ever since college or was this um, something that you had to undergo or you had to let's say put up as a goal later on in life after college na? Koansha, it was very random, actually. Um, I didn't know I was college, but I didn't really consider it. I didn't know before to work in a private company. So, I didn't have dreams and aspirations at college. So, when I... When when I discovered na dilipan day para sa ako ang corporate life, say, murag, I guess, you know, pahilig-hilig mag I guess dilipit sa akong personality. Um, I started to look for other career options. So, katong niya ko'y kaila uh, na suggest na uh, mutake, why don't you give it a try? Can one career in a DFA? So, I started to review mga three months before nagtugod ang um, preliminary exam. Very mm. ang sa challenging because ang akong work sa una entailed me to be on the road for mga eight hours or more. So, most of my reviews were really about uh, making use of mga audio book. Kaya mm. while mag-drive ko, 
let's say for example, no, mag-drive ko from Cebu City, painugdaan bantayan in a day. So, para di mauzi o panahon, maminaw ko. Huwag ka na mga audiobook kabay international relations and ana. Hmm, I see, no? So, multitasking. Perhaps multitasking, multitasking. is also an essential skill, no? Ang multitasking for the for any would-be diplomats. Mm-hmm. Mm, I see. I would say so. Now, you did mention, ma'am, that um, they ask a lot of questions, almost anything out of the blue. Um, why is this uh, mm-hmm. such? Um, for example, is... Um, are as... Um, Do our, for example, do our foreign service officers have any particular niche or do they come from all walks of life, for example? Mm-hmm. So, um, impression gives sa uban to our outsiders, this is, that, is that they think there are particular courses, you know, particular na mga niche na pwede Pero, sa tinuod, we actually, the, the, the foreign service is actually very diverse. So, it welcomes people from different backgrounds. I have colleagues who are majors in chemistry, for example, zoology, na ay mga computer scientists, na ay mga graduate uh, with a degree in agriculture. daghang journalist, labi nakadaghan ng mga lawyers and political scientists. So, lain-lain yun. It's very diverse. I guess that is because diplomacy no, in itself is a very uh, broad, broad kayo yung scope na field. And what we know about it is only the tip of the iceberg. Mm. Nga kanang makita nato sa media, nga kanaganing mga magnegotiate sa UN, kanang mag bilateral meetings. Ang for me, a more interesting aspect what of the job is the lifestyle, which requires you to be both a generalist and a specialist at the same time. Because as a diplomat, ang at the heart of what you do is building relationships. So, you have to be well-versed about so many things. So, when you talk about, when you talk to people, when you have conversations with them, dili lang ka mga, you know, taphaw lang conversations. But these are really conversations with depth about the things that they care about, about the things maybe you're, you're interested to know more about them. So, kailang lang yun nga, sweeping yun ang imuhang knowledge When you are a diplomat, you have to be, again, both a generalist and a specialist at the same time. Mm, that's very that's very interesting, ma'am. No? Let me just repeat some of the key points that you made back there. Um, you said that mm-hmm. what we know about diplomacy is just the tip of the iceberg. No? That's very humbling. And um, for, for anyone aspiring to be a diplomat, you must be both a generalist and a specialist. And lastly, yes. and perhaps the most important uh, part of what you just said, the heart of what a diplomat do is create relationships. Mm. Mm. So those are very powerful words, and I hope the audience takes notes of the, take note of those so that they can um, learn from it. No? Especially for those who are listening right now, who might want to pursue a career in diplomacy. 
Now, going back mm-hmm. to your career as a diplomat, ma'am, what is expected mm-hmm. of you aside from being a generalist and a specialist? So, are there, let's say, for example, social expectations of what uh, a diplomat or a foreign officer, foreign service officer is um, able to do and not able to do? Mm. I would say yes uh, to a greater extent, no, because um, when you're part of the foreign service, it's actually a very special kind of job. It is both challenging and uh, it is also enriching. It is actually a privilege because if you're a diplomat, you are the face of your country sa host country kung asa ka assign so you represent imuhang country and kung unsa tong mga values and ideals sa imuhang nasod so you have to be able to project a very good image of uh, the, of your country your culture your people kay ang imuhang muramang kaani og kung ako pang hulaman ang katong ako ang experience sa previous company na ako, mura ka ani o ikaw ang somewhat like a sales agent sa imuhang country and you're selling, you're not selling goods, you are selling an image, you're selling a story in order to create that connection between your country and the host country. So, I guess among the more general expectations would be in terms of behavior and in terms of um, imuhang conduct, you know, when you move around. I mentioned a while ago na diplomacy is a lifestyle. So, wala kayo siya distinction no, between life and work. It's all about work-life synergy. So, whether you are in your office at the embassy or nakasa park on a weekend, you have to conduct yourself well. You have to be well behaved. You have to to dress up decently. You have to be refined and uh, intellectual, I guess, in your speech. Because as a diplomat, one thing but na I try to hold up myself to the standard is that you also have to be very well read. Mm. So, dili pwede nang ano kanang mga budol-budol ra nga mga sources, no? Nya pataka ra kagyawit. <laughs> that reflects very badly sa imong country. Mm. So, you have to keep updating yourself and to also um absorb kanaganing arts and culture of your host country. So, that's the second one. You have to be a lover of arts and culture. Okay. What I noticed is that there is atong work when we mix with different people. Ang una gida yung point of connection that is somewhat so effortless is kining sa art and culture. Mm. And then you also have to be very open-minded open-minded in terms of experiencing new cultures and acknowledging different perspectives. You don't really have to agree with everything na gisulti sa uban, but you have to step out of your bubble in order to understand, no? Kung sa maning ilahang 
Well, no, why do they think that way? And asaman ka pwede mo connect anak. So you have to have a healthy attitude towards diverse opinions. I think that is a very general characteristic that any good diplomat must have. And then in terms of being sociable, of course, because diplomacy is about communication and relationships, you have to be open enough to reach out. So, karon, ang atuang world, we notice people are very mobile. We have very huge diaspora communities. We have... We have mga ginatawag po nato mga citizen diplomats, no? Because of social media and uh, very hyper connected takaron. So, for me, a 21st century diplomat must also be someone who goes out of his or her ivory tower to reach out, uh, to talk to people, to establish um, wider networks. Not only for him or herself, but para gud sa imuhang country. Because kaning imuhang job as a diplomat, it's part and parcel of the entire package, the entire expectation to help build a nation. I see. Very interesting, ma'am. No, twenty-first century diplomat. Basically, I was thinking earlier. Basically, these are you are thinking of, let's say, yourselves as influencers of sorts, no? Hmm. Exactly. Mm, influencers of sorts but um as influencers perhaps um there are let's say as, as well with uh, with um let's say for example social media influencers there are perks to being a diplomat right i, I guess our audience <laughs> listening right now is saying yes we're here for the perks <laughs> oh that's true <laughs> like any job not perks mm, can, can you perhaps share some mom just to tease the audience. Actually, you know, talan mampod nga trabaho, adun na siya iyahang own perks. So, kanitong pagka-diplomat has its own very special perks. And I'd like to name some nga and maybe affirm kanang mga gihuna-huna po no sa mga tao, sa mga higala na to, mga listeners po na to, nga nag-aspire to get into this profession someday. I won't bear, I won't reveal everything kay mawala na ang katriling but I'll mention a few. Sige. Let's wet their tongues. That I, ang una nga akong na-appreciate yan that I think is a wonderful perk of being a diplomat is the opportunity to travel. Of course, karon we understand, no? Uh, as we are in very uh, um, special circumstances, uh, medyo limited ang mobility. But, you know, um, under normal circumstances in the previous years, um, traveling yun is a wonderful opportunity when you are a diplomat because you get to travel uh, for work, of course, when you are posted abroad. So, sa Philippine Foreign Service, we do a little rotation sa among foreign posting um, after serving the home office for like two to three years. You get to be posted overseas for three to six years. Mm. 
nganong 3 to 6 that 3 years kay pwede manggugka mag cross post so you can basically uh, transfer to another foreign service post and ang kanang opportunity to live in a foreign country is just so different so enriching na you will emerge from it as a totally different person hopefully you emerge from it as a better person mm. kay when you are posted abroad as a diplomat, you also have the unique opportunity to meet very interesting people. Not only mga leaders of your host country, but even the average ordinary citizen who has so much to share kabahin sa ilahang mga kasinatian, sa ilahang nasod, ilahang worldview. And when you're posted abroad, chance na po na nimo nga mo bisita og other neighboring countries. Mm. So that's one that traveling. Another one I would say is a wonderful perk uh, on being a diplomat is naa kay uh, opportunity to 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 participate actively in some of the more critical and interesting aspects sa imuha sa work in the foreign service for example you can have the opportunity to take part in organizing summits like katong nag-host sa ASEAN sa Philippines and through that you get to come into close contact with some very important people in the region and to have an insider's look at how at the the at how these meetings um, actually happen. And you get to think, no? How can I make this matter sa ordinary everyday one or sa ordinary everyday na citizen? And being in that position, makaingon gid ka nga, daghan gid kay kang pwedeng mabuhat. And finally, not a lot of people are given the chance to uh, serve their country in a way that a diplomat does. So it's not all about the, the privileges, the diplomatic immunity, but I guess it's very exciting to wake up every day knowing na unsa na pud ka ako ang pwedeng opportunity na i-create or i-seize or kinsa ka ang pwede na ako i-meet today who can help me contribute sa mga credit efforts balik sa ako ang own country para mahimo pa og mas maayo para mulambo pa ang katong mga provinces ang mga cities that I care about and para ma-promote pa nako ang among culture kay when you're a diplomat ang imuhang contacts are really vast are really wide lahi namang good karon sa una naatay gitawag nga club diplomacy no marag exclusive kayo siya uh, sound like pero um, karon murag elite no sa una oh murag closed doors kayo but uh, karon network diplomacy nagyud ang buzzword and it means to really go out there to meet people and to make those contacts matter. So, kung diplomat ka, naka at the forefront of doing that. And I don't think any other type of job gives you that kind of opportunity. Mm, I see. So, uh -huh. the, really, the perk is to 
it's like um it's like you are engaged in a lifelong immersion and you're just taking in these experiences left right and center no more mm, sponge good and mm. then for your family kay pwede man na may we we have uh, colleagues no who also bring their families with them so ang related perks i guess sa family la samot na sa children sa diplomatic children is that at a young age they get to have this broader perspective of the world mm, i see so they are immersed in what or perhaps fo um, fso's or foreign service officers are immersed mm-hmm. in a very cosmopolitan lifestyle mm-hmm. exactly but as foreign service officer you also have to take it upon yourself to go out there okay ang kaning mga contacts ang kaning mga experiences dili ni sila mao ang modul ni mo so ikaw dapat ang mangitag paagi nga muguwa ka dili ka magsigig pungkalo sa imong office magsigig tulod-tulod og paper and pencil ikaw muguwa ka og mangita gyud ka og kanang mga oportunidad Mm. para ma-enrich no ang kaning connections and then imong experiences therefore a diplomat must be proactive also and that really mm-hmm. goes well with the point that you made earlier ma'am the heart of what a diplomat do is create relationships as you stated mm-hmm. mm, very nice now um, let's go to the third talking point for this evening um, we have mm-hmm. further studies um I believe you are also studying a master's degree, no? In um, in diplomacy, right? So, Karon, I'm currently pursuing one. Um, I'm doing a master's in contemporary diplomacy, and I'm majoring in internet governance. Wow! So, internet governance. it's not a very, I guess, it's not a very uh, a popular route and not a very common route, but. I chose this uh, particular specialization tungod nga importante gyud karon nga ato ang istoryahan ug atong hatagan og mas daghang attention ang issues on internet policy and technology labi na nga mao ni nahitabo sa atong um eh, nahitabo karon sa kalibutan nga we have we are forced to really work yes Um. And then I understand na dili kayo ni siya popular na route for mga nag further studies in diplomacy but I found this actually a very interesting na specialization labi na nga we are forced to move no to more remote ways of working and that dako na gid nga issue ang kaning internet accessibility and internet infrastructure not only um sa Philippines but in the whole world no sa tibuok kalibutan mm. so i was really interested in this knowing na majority of our tasks even have been moved online a lot of our data na nasa cloud computing and then Further, furthermore, na interesado sa kuani kay tungod nga ang internet karon nga karong 21st century labi na is an enabler 
of other basic rights mm. such as freedom of expression, health, education, uh, gender equality, and so on and so forth. So it's a very deep topic. It's also a very technical one. Mm, I see. So the, you are now delving into what we call, ma'am, as digital rights, no? Digital rights. And its counterpart, mm. it's it's largely, um, let's say, non-Western counterpart, which is the concept of digital sovereignty, aka the Great Firewall. So this is quite. This is mm. a, it's actually a debate I've been following lately because um, yes, you're you're <laughs> correct. No, uh, access to the internet really is an enabler to different, um, let's say, different <laughs> rights today. And I think it should be considered to be it should be considered as a part of the sustainable development goals of the United Nations. No? Um, in, in in relation to that, ma'am, um, what do you what do you think about, for example, the 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 divide or rather the the conflict between digital sovereignty and digital rights? Is there a middle ground? Yes. So. Ikaning debate, no, as you mentioned, uh, very interesting about digital uh, sovereignty uh, versus digital rights. A lot of people think na technical kay ni siyang issue and that it only concerns mga specialists in this particular technology. I think that is a huge misconception kay karon sa 21st century where people are grappling with caning uh, pag exercise sailing rights, especially in certain regions of the world. And then with the added layer pagyod of the internet as an enabler, as I mentioned before, of, of a lot of basic human rights, this topic isn't just for specialists. It is actually relevant for everyone. Dili lang katong naay mga mobile phones o mga laptops, but even but everyone, even the ordinary person on the street, because karon we have a different dimension of we're seeing a different dimension, a different kind of power, and we need to understand this. Kay kung dili nato ni siya masabtan. Dili nato ni siya, dili ta makasabot how this operates on sa iyahang nature, then we run the risk, no, of not being able to fully exercise some of our rights, to be deprived of it. And it runs the risk na there are certain groups, vulnerable groups, na masamot yun o kadaog-daog just because they are not fully aware of this particular, these part, the nature of this new power and these particular issues and opportunities. So, very relevant ni Karon. Samot na nga, nagsugod-sugod na yun o roll out, kaning gitawag na to 5G mm, technology, which will create even more opportunities in terms of mga new technology, new apps, for example, which could create new uh, possibilities. Samot na sa mga abtik kayo nga mga take advantage, ani. But it also opens us to new vulnerabilities. Kay karon, kay with 5G technology, um, one aspect of it is that mas ma power up kaning gitawag nato og uh, internet of things and ang paggamit sa artificial intelligence 
by companies no i'm not i'm not just talking put about private companies but also its application in the delivery of public services um some governments are already exploring this and when you talk about this particular technology it doesn't just make things easier doesn't just deliver services more efficiently but you're also thinking about uh, a deeper um issue of kaning pag store pag keep secure sa data sa high level no high 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 level na data sa imuhang mga constituents o citizens it is incredibly scary to think na kung na intrusion sa system the havoc it would wreak throughout uh, the entire uh, system of delivering for mm. example certain services no because ang data manggod na store nga makuha ani nga technology maybe may have very deep implications sa uh, like identity sa usa ka tawo you also think about asa man nga server store ni nga mga data ay kani mga 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 data rather kay it doesn't mean for example nga na ako diri sa UK nag email email nag uh, save save og mga projects na akong gipanghimo it doesn't mean nga naapod sa UK gi store uh, nga server gi store ang data it could be in another country and that also has a different kind of uh, implication later on samot na sa policy so very complicated i don't think there is a one particular kind of answer uh, to to this debate it will probably grow in complexity as we have uh, as as magdevelop pagyod more ang technology um, related to this so wala naman gini going back we are already hurtling in the digital age so we might as well mas maayog yun nga magpakabanata na mga issues ani kabaluta para dilita kanaganing pataka lang and then ma shock na lang tanga oh my god na compromise na dia kong rights mm. or any other uh, more personal no nga effects in this kind of issue nga very international og dimension mm. so i would encourage na katong atong mga listeners who are who find this issue interesting to find out more about it because this is really going to be the debate for the coming years or the coming months for the coming years you will not hear the end of it kining about digital sovereignty and digital rights mm. so that's it okay so that's very kwangid mamo that's very um that's very intellectual as a discussion and your inputs were really good in that matter no and for the listeners i hope you were taking down notes because um those things again as miss uh, as mrs alcantara garcia was saying those things do not go away in fact in the coming years we will be seeing more and more of those no like digital rights and the concept of digital sovereignty um pasensya ilang kay Kuandin ni Samu sa Tua, ma'am, back in, back in the mother country. Ang ato, ang internet is still very, it's still very, still very, kanang, let's say, incremental ang iyahang progress, no, compared to where you are right now in London. So, um, it, I think this is an affirmation of your, of your thesis, no, or of your specialization. 
that really mm-hmm. this is the new frontier for us as a as a nation the, the internet mm-hmm. internet governance exactly okay now um on that note ma'am um we are out of talking points so um perhaps you mm-hmm. can you can share some final thoughts or final words to our audience as a point of inspiration Mm-hmm. So first of all, um, pagpasalamat sa Gorim sa aning higayon to be able to share some of my thoughts and stories sa ato ang mga listeners and sa atong listeners katong mga naghuna-huna, um, dili pa kayo sure whether to uh, go into diplomacy or not. You know, um, I would encourage you to to do so. It's a very enriching field. It's a very enriching type of work and lifestyle. It's exciting because you get to experience a lot of things. But, you know, on the road to that and karon, I would highly encourage ang ato ang mga listeners to uh, take it upon yourselves na magpakabana, to read up, to seek out reliable sources so that you are armed with the right information nga makipag-discurso whether online or offline. So, take time. Develop a, re- a good reading habit and then always make sure na mangita yung ka, you verify kung unsa imuhang mga nadunggan. Because karun, it's widely accepted and it's very commonplace na daghang nagkalat-kalat na mga fake news that may seem at first glance to sound true and convincing but really are not. So develop this habit of seeking out the truth, seeking out the right sources, develop this habit of critical thinking and um, sa mga listeners nato, younger generations, who are thinking about serving the country by working in the government, I hope you will push through with that. And I hope that pag naana mo sa government, there is a position to serve uh, your people, your constituents, the Filipino people, you will stand true sa mga principles na inyuhang uh, gituuhan, the principles that our heroes have fought so hard for. Sa atong mga Cebuano nga listeners, uh, padayon lang yun sa pagpaka-proud sa Cebuano culture to promote it, to keep it alive, and to share it with other people. Because kaning ato ang identity and culture pod, uh, isip o taga sugbo, it's something that really defines us. For me, I keep it so close sa akong heart as a diplomat because even if na-expose ko sa lahi-lahi ng mga kultura, I consider this as an anchor sa akong identity and I use it as a springboard to connect to others. So, maulang na, uh, padayon lang yun sa mga maayong habutangan yung mga gibuhat. Remember, uh, take time to read, to think critically, and to always seek out the truth. Okay. So thank you, Kayo, Ma'am um, Alcantara Garcia. Those are very inspiring words, and hopefully um, some of you who are listening right now 
will actually um, take heed of those words and put them to practice no not just put them to heart but put them to practice so thank you once again ma'am for your time and i know you're a very busy you're a very busy career oriented person so i won't keep you for long but um just know that this is a very this, your your input tonight is um very heartwarming and also very informative of of this new frontier of diplomacy in the 21st century. So thank you kaayo ma'am and um daghang daghang king salamat gyud. Daghan sad nga salamat. So maayong gabi sa tanan. So maayong gabi. And thank you as well for listening. You may follow us at um, Facebook. We um, you can search Kasinatian Podcast. We have an official page on Facebook as well. Um the Kasintian Podcast is also available in seven different platforms, primarily on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Anchor. So please take a listen if you have the time, and and we'll catch you on the next one. So this has been your host, Ryan Dave Raila, now signing off.